The game is the game. Join me, your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, as I travel on a journey to meet people from a variety of professions to find out what made them excel in their field. Walk with me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Game is the Game. I am your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, and thanks as ever for joining me on another episode, another deep dive, another conversation. Call it what you will, but thank you all for those who've been along with me on the journey through all the different guests that we've spoken to. I say this every single episode, but I mean it. I'm excited for the guests that I've got on today, and yes, it is another good friend of mine, and yes, It's another different kind of field, a different kind of professional specialism that I'm intrigued to kind of get into the nitty gritty of and try and explore it. And for those of you who are listening, who who have clicked on this episode because maybe you're part of this particular profession or maybe you're somebody who wants to get into this profession or maybe you're someone who just wants to understand it and know about it. And that's why you're clicking on this particular episode. So as you can see from the descriptor, this one is called the one with the DJ. And the DJ that I've got with me is none other than DJ Godfather himself. Um, For those of you who know about DJ Godfather, he needs no introduction. But for those of you who don't know about DJ Godfather... um, I've, <laughs> I should be saying his government name, but I'm, no, I'm leaving it as DJ Godfather for now. <laughs> um, I've known DJ Godfather in a professional capacity um, for what? Must be like seven years, eight years, something like that. And um, in terms of his work within the DJ world, um, I've known about it for quite some time. And people who are kind of longstanding friends of his will attest to um, the kind of work that, has been going on for many, many years, many, many years in the game. And when I was looking at who do I interview next? Who do I talk to next? I can't believe it took me so long to reach out to him and say, actually, let's let's talk about the DJ world. And the reason why I want to talk about the DJ world is because DJs for me, <laughs> I'd put them up there. <laughs> He's going to laugh when I say this, but I'm going to put DJs up there with footballers. And let me explain why. <laughs> let me explain why. Everybody thinks they can kick a football and everybody thinks that they understand ball and everybody thinks that they could probably jump into Premier League tomorrow and play for any team and get it right. And I sometimes feel with the DJ world that everyone's got something to say on DJs. Everybody knows what it means to DJ. And I'm going to get it out there from the top of this episode. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand or know the intricacies of really what it means to be a DJ. I couldn't even tell you how you distinguish the top, of the top, top DJs from the, the scrubs. I couldn't even tell you that. And I'm getting that out there, honestly, from the top of the show, because when uh, DJ Godfather comes on, that's how we're going to approach this one, trying to just kind of like breaking down some of the some of the myths and understanding actually that there's some serious work that goes into this, and and we got to put some respect on 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 the, on the DJ's name. You know, the DJ's not just a person who just at the booth and that's it, and we and we don't put respect on their craft and on their skill set and so on and so forth. So you you get the five people, you get the you get the gist of where we're going with this one. Like I say, I'm delighted to bring onto the show um, today. The one with the DJ, DJ Godfather himself. How you doing? Introduce yourself to the people. I'm good. I'm good. Um, 
thanks for having me on the show. Um, I think it's it's nice that I've been asked to speak about my craft and the journey and what it is to be a DJ. Mm. Um, because because of what I play, I'm kind of setting a certain scene, a certain field. Um, but DJs are DJs, whatever genre of music you play. So mm. I think it's good for, for people to know what we're about, how we became about, why we're still about, because people go out all the time. So you're hearing the music, someone's playing the music, but I think it's nice to know who that person is. Because if you listen to music, if you're, a, I don't know, Drake fan or a Beyonce or a Rihanna fan, you know about them, you post them up on their birthday. I'm not saying we're that famous, but we play an important role mm. in entertaining you when you're out. So, yeah, I'm just pleased to be able to um, have a little say and, you know. 100%. 100%. And I think that's a really good way of putting it um, straight from the jump in terms of the role of a DJ. Um, when you meet someone, though, and let's say you meet somebody new, right? Whether that's in the in the professional capacity of being a DJ, it can be somebody who you meet just at a party or in the road street, whatever it might be, and you say to them, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a DJ. What's the reaction you tend to get when you tell someone you're a DJ? Like, do you, is there like a stereotype reaction that you get when you say to someone, you know, like how somebody might say, oh, I'm a comedian, and then people are like, oh, well, tell me a joke, right? Okay. Is there like a stereotype reaction that you get when you say you're a DJ? Or how do you, how do you, I don't want to say sell yourself, but how do you pitch almost to people, this is what I do? Who, who is DJ Godfather when you pitch yourself on a professional level? Um, I wouldn't say there's a stereotypical response. The, the, what you'll get is, oh, what's your DJ name? Mm. You tell them. Then I might say, oh, I've heard of you before, and have you played here or there? Or sometimes they say, oh, I know earlier, which mm. is what I, I'll never take offence to. It doesn't hit my hurt my ego because it's if you haven't heard of me, you haven't heard of me. Mm. Um, but as a DJ myself. I specialize in classic and old school, mainly R&B, but also hip hop, dancehall, raggas, I call it, or reggae and bashment as it's known to the masses, um, and a bit of old school garage. I just love classic music. So anything from the 90s up until 2000, mid to late 2000s is what I kind of specialize in. Because mm. that's what I like. And I think that's what sets me apart from other DJs because I focus on those genres and that style of music. And I won't, you know, I, I won't stray unless I have to stray. I'm, I'm so glad you just said that because you, you and I, in the professional capacity that we've worked in, you were the person who coined the phrase to me, stay in your lane. That's stay, right, that's it. <laughs> stay, stay in your lane. Ever since you said that phrase to me, I'm always, that's always stuck in terms of anything that I've done professionally in my life. Stay in your lane. That's <laughs> but, it. Um, but I wasn't even going to go to this, this question I'm going to answer you, I wasn't even going to go there next, but I feel to go there next, even though it might feel a bit askew because we haven't even started looking at your journey. But I hope you understand why I want to jump to this next, right? Yeah, you've, you, you've, you speak about how you like to play classic R&B, hip-hop, etc., bashment, etc. 
as I sit here in 2023, what is the what is the market? What is the and I hope you get what I'm trying to say here because when I think DJ or DJs, um, and I think the market and maybe I'm maybe I'm naive about understanding. So correct me if I get anything wrong. So when I think DJs, I'm thinking like your popular DJs mainstream are like this shows my limited understanding of dj stuff but edm is that right edm electric dance yeah edm um house funky house um let me just start there with them three house funky house and electric dance music i feel like when i think dj that's what people think in 2023 maybe now afro beats as well because afro beats is obviously big and so on and so forth and the reason why i've jumped almost to the I've almost jumped in our kind of episode to something which should come near the end of the episode. Is there a battle for a modern DJ to stand out when there's an expectation of what a DJ should be? Do you get what I'm trying to go? Do you get what I'm trying to go with this? Or where I'm trying to go with this one? Like when people think DJ, are they thinking of a certain genre of, of music in 2023? Yes. And I think the genres you, you spoke about, are the genres that people expect. Mm. Afrobeats is like the biggest genre of music at the moment. So everyone wants to hear an Afrobeats set. House mm. EDM is popular everywhere in the world. So everyone wants to hear a house or a EDM set, funky house set, whatever it is. Um, when you're R&B and hip-hop DJ, it's like, uh, okay. Uh, because... There's so much different politics in it, you know, the, the the level of money you get paid in certain fields and genres of music is different and the size of the clubs and arenas and festivals that you play at certain genres of music is different. So I think it's perceived that those are the genres you want to hear. Mm. Um, but R&B and hip-hop and dancehall to a certain extent now, they're still for me, the most popular genres, because every club you go to, there has to be an R&B, hip-hop, and dancehall set. Yeah. Whereas, in terms of EDM and house, it might not go down well, but <laughs> probably not going to go down well in an R&B and hip-hop event. Yeah. So they've got their own field, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 that, that, that does make sense. Would it be fair to say that there are peaks and troughs in terms of what, Okay, no, let me rephrase this question, actually. Is it a case of, so take yourself as an R&B, not that I'm trying to pigeonhole, but take yourself as an R&B, classic R&B, classic hip-hop DJ, right? Is it that somebody who is in a specific DJ specialism can only really play certain types of events or venues, or, or is it a case of it's about when a certain style of music is hot? So, for example... Would there be a period of time where there's a revival in not because it never goes away? You're right. You you always expect to hear a, a hip hop set. But what I mean is, would there be a period of time where you'd say, you know what, Mash, Afro beats might go on the cooler for a bit, and hip hop's gonna come back up? Do you, do do you see what I mean? Like, does it go in peaks and troughs, or is it that you? You just you you have to kind of as a DJ stay in your lane and know your venues and know your events. Do, do you get what I mean by that question? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it does go in peaks and troughs, but I think it only goes, for me personally, from what I observe, 
and listen to. It only goes in peaks and troughs with Afrobeats and Bashman. Mm. I mean, it's always going to be there because it always has been there. Yeah. Afrobeats commercially came from nowhere. Yeah. And kicked dance out of the way. To the yeah. point where you know, I've seen Bounty Killer interviews and he's talking about Afrobeats and how dancehall um, eyes should learn from them. And it's, it's at a stage now where the dance whites are kind of a bit of a resurgence. They're kind of trying to barge Afrobeats back and say, look, we're, we're still here. Mm. So don't try and come and take our spot because we're still here. So there are pieces of trouble, like I said, in Afrobeats and Bashman. I've been hip hop, not really. The only peaks and troughs is the, the quality of the, the songs yeah. that come out. DJs will still play them, but sometimes the quality is lacking. So it, it's very hard to push that sound. Because um, you hear a song, you think, no, oh, that's not really that good. It's, it's kind of disappeared for a little bit. Yeah. And then it, it will come back up. But like I said, R&B and hip hop will always be played regardless of what's going on with the other genres and, and their battles. How long would you say you've been in the DJ scene? Just give me a rough year, uh, number of years estimate. So my first booking, official booking, was in October 2002 at City University. I played an event called Pressure Cooker. And that was my first official. But in terms of DJing, um, so if I, I can kind of give a backstory myself now, the, the journey, if that's okay. Yeah, no, that, yeah, was that, that was the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've always liked music anyway, from young. Um, and, you know, it's always a cliche, you know, I've always liked music from young, but, but, but I have. And, like, my dad liked music. And, you know, both my parents are Jamaican. And though my dad loves reggae, he was a soul yeah. man. Um, Marvin Gaye and all those kind of artists. He was a soul guy, though he loves reggae. So my sound was always R&B. Yeah. The first time I got into listening to R&B properly was the first Jodeci album. I heard up, oh my God, this is like, what sound is this? <laughs> and from there, I just started collecting music. And I look back on it, and I was thinking about this last night. When you asked me to do the podcast, I'm thinking, I've got to explain my journey. And I think that's when I first started, and listening to music seriously i was feel like i was always destined to be a dj because i'd always make my own compilation cassettes always right but when i think back now i'd always put the songs in a certain order yeah so i might start the first song would always have to have an intro or some sort of build up before the drop and then every song would follow on from that to make it flow mm. so that's starting my cassettes um, then started buying CDs and that. And then when I left school in 98, I attempted to go to uni. Now, uni wasn't for me, but that's where I learned how to DJ. So I had records up until now, buying vinyl like mad. And that, this was in Derby in the Midlands. So mm. met some guys from Birmingham. We'd go to the record shop in Derby every Saturday morning. We'd buy all the new stuff before all the DJs in the area could get the stuff. So we'd go to the local club. They wouldn't have the new tunes to play because we'd already bought them. So it was a bit of a mad one for the DJ, but we liked music. So that's how my, my 
DJing started. Right. Um, Let me jump in there immediately because, and don't get me wrong, as soon as, I've, as soon as we finish this segue, carry on the story from where you are. But I knew the minute you started telling me the story, I knew I'm going to have to jump in with different bits to answer you. So, first things first, you said that's when you learned how to DJ, but yes. talk me through how to DJ because, and, and again, understand um, that I'm coming at this from a position of ignorance. Right? Yeah, because and even then you're talking. So, so we're saying circa uh, twenty odd years ago, right? Yeah. Um, even then, what you're about to tell me is probably different to how somebody's learning it now, possibly, oh, right? Possibly. So, so, so you're gonna have to articulate that one for me. So, when you say that's how you learn, what were you learning, and how did you learn it? Right. So, start buying vinyls, records, loads of records. Went to uni, had my little all-in-one stack, you know, the all-in-one, the foot, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the tape cassette, the equalizer, and then uh, one of my friends that I met at uni called Obi, he's from Birmingham. He DJed anyway, mm. so I'd go to his place. He he had the setup, so you have two turntables and you have a mixer with two channels on it, and obviously you put the, the vinyl on one deck final on the other deck and the the purpose is to make the beats match mm -hmm. um without making it sound like pots and pans that's what you call a mix of soft it sounds like pots and pans right um so you have to learn the the, the right beats per minute of each song so it, it doesn't make sense to put a, a song that's got a fast beat to a song with a slow beat because when you match those beats, it's not going to sound correct. Yeah. So I, I learned by mixing R&B and hip hop first, which in the 90s was good because most songs had the same tempo. Yeah, I was going to say, that early 90s stuff. Yeah, yeah. it had the same tempo. Because all the producers, there wasn't many producers, sorry. So you'd have like Bad Boy and Jermaine Dupri would produce for a lot of people in that, that time. So all their beats were kind of the same. Hip hop, it was kind of the same kind of sound. Mm. Um, dancehall was slightly different, but with dancehall, you don't necessarily have to mix the beats together. You mix it on the drop, right? Um, obviously, back then, dancehall songs were made with rhythm, so the producer would make a rhythm track, like an instrumental, and then you get fifteen dancehall artists <laughs> make a song. Yeah, yeah. And with the dance, you pick like the, the best six songs and you mix them together. Obviously, that's easy because it's the same tempo. So you just need to know when is the right time to bring the next song in and fade that the previous song out. Yeah. Um, so that's how I started on the vinyl. Um, there was loads of different ways to learn. Some um, DJs put a bit of tape on the records and so they know where the right drop is. Oh, snap. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes is, that, is, 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 that, is that cheating though? Not really, because it's a it's a good way to make your set sound impactful. Okay. So every song plays on a drop. So as a as a raver, the song comes in on a drop, the most popular part of the song. So your your set will be hyped, I think, because you dance to one song, one song, DJ drops the next song on that drop, and if you're raving at at the height. Once the next song comes in that drop, the height still stays there because you're still apt and excited about the set. Um, but I 
started, I called myself a, a basic mixer. I just could, I just got the knack of putting the beats together. You have mm. to have very good listening ears as well, because you know, as you can imagine, you've got your headphones on, so the ear that's cut is playing the song that you're going to bring in next. Mm. So it's very, you have to concentrate because your ear that's not cut can hear everything else. So as well as hearing the song that's playing to the crowd, you can also hear the crowd. Mm. You'd also hear your brethren talking, but you're trying to focus on your ear that's cupped because you have to bring that song in at the right time so the beats match. And so it's a good skill to learn because I said you have to have very good ears for it. You have to. Otherwise, you can't really be a DJ. So learn to mix anyway. Mm. But now... We'll, we'll get to that. That's not. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to now and how the games change. But <laughs> you said something about the the, the early days in Derby that I've, that I wrote down. So every guest I always have, I always have a notepad next to me, writing down notes of what I'm saying. <laughs> so you said something about Derby, which yeah. immediately made me write this. I wrote the word down: selecting versus being a DJ. Okay, hear right. me out. Hear me out. You were talking about, so you're going to the record shop, this, that, this, that. Now, again, I'm I'm wary that not everybody who listens to this episode will necessarily understand what we're even talking about, so you may even need to explain as well. Is a DJ a selector or is a DJ a DJ? <laughs> so, <laughs> And if a DJ is a selector, if a DJ is a selector, why is there a selector or is a selector a hype man? Because if you're a DJ, right, and you know the records you want, and you're going out buying your records records for your mix and your show. Why is a selector existing? Is that again political? <laughs> Selectors were prominent in the dancehall scene. Mm. They, you'd have the selector, you'd have your DJ. So obviously, your selector would go in the, the record bag at the time, and he picked the, the, the record out to give it to the DJ to play. In R&B and hip hop, it's, it's not like that. I've never been in a crew. I've always been a one man show yeah. in terms of DJing. So I've never had the experience of someone saying to me, "No, I'll play this next or give me the record and say, right, play that song. Um, I believe that I'm a selector because listening to music and, and, and my love for music, artists would release a single. SWV might release a single. Jodas will release a single, you know, uh, Mob Deep will release a single. But I would listen to that old album and be like, oh, I like track 10. Mm. Why is track 10 not released? So mm. I would play track 10 in the clubs or I'd put it on mixes because for me, if you're a fan of music and in the 90s, everybody bought albums, whether it was on tape, CD or vinyl, everyone 100%, bought 100%, yeah, 100 so if I play that track 10, everybody should know it. That was my mindset. And, you know, I, you know, we'll talk about moving forward, but moving forward, I've always had that. Yeah, but why is everyone playing the song that I have released? When, when you speak to people, they always say, oh, I like that track off the album. So as a DJ, why would I not play the song that's not released? Because people know it and they like it. Mm. So why should it always be? the song that's released from the album that is played out in clubs or dances or private functions, wherever you are. 
that that was that's always been my mindset as a DJ. Always. I hear you. I hear you. So, go. Let's let let let's let's go back again to the journey. So, a uni years, right? Yes. So you 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 you're you're learning the initial craft of it. Carry on. Let me let, let me see how this story goes. <laughs> see how this story unfolds. So yeah, um, you know, I, I didn't really DJ much in Derby. I think I played at like two venues, um, but I was still learning the craft. Mm. When I came back to London, um, I started hanging around my god brothers, and one of them was always in the West End scene. So every West End club you can think of. He was there. He used to be a mic man. So at the time, it was 10 rooms, Mayfair Club, Planet Hollywood on a Saturday night. He'd be at any of those venues. Mm. So he used to say to me, yeah, come, 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 come. And I just think, I'd go, you'd hear the DJ and you think, I can do that. I know I can do that. I can yeah. play like that. But these times it was CDs. Right. So I was building up my CD collection anyway because it, it was just a natural progression. Record shops had filtered out. Everything was coming out of CD now. So I started building up my CD collection. And then I had to learn to mix on CDs. Right. Which is... Obviously, it's totally different because you're putting the CD inside a machine. You can't touch the CD. Yeah. <laughs> but you have little... At the time, there were little dials. The, the discs were about... I'm trying to think. And maybe as big as like a, a your average can of... Sweet corn or not that yeah. thick, but I mean the the, the circumference, the, the shape, yeah, yeah. And that's what you would use to kind of find your cue point in the song, or slow the CD down or speed it up, like you was touching the, the actual vinyl record itself. You're listening to DJ Godfather. Why did you? Was there no um, was there no kind of desire to stay with vinyl anyway? Because obviously vinyls now had a resurgence, right? But was it that everyone just went to CD, or could you not have stayed with vinyl? Because I'm intrigued about how vinyls now on the comeback again. But um, everyone just went to CD. Like every club you went into now, there was no turntable. Was, oh, okay, okay. It okay. was just your basic kind of new mark at the time. It was new mark CD player. Um, so, yeah, going out my godbrother, and eventually he was the one who said, right, you're ready, let's go. So he was the one who got me the booking at um, City University. That was my first outing, um, and it was a good set. So I know, I knew, sorry, that, yeah, this is me. I, I can actually do this. Yeah. And I think because I specialised in playing certain music, it was a good way for me to get into the DJ world because no one else was playing like me. Yeah. So it helps me get my feet in the door and kind of establish myself as who I wanted to be and what I wanted to become within the kind of underground, if you like, R&B, hip-hop scene. You see how you said... And I, <laughs> you see how you said it was a good set, okay? Yeah. Let, let, let's let's go here. Even because this this question is relevant to to now, so you can answer this with whatever particular era of your life you want to answer it with. How does a DJ know 
they're they're playing a good set. Is it people coming up to the booth and saying to wheel up the tune? Is it you just knowing off the vibe of a crowd? I'm not going to say, is it your brethren's telling you? Because, you know, sometimes your brethren yeah, are actually, yeah, yeah. They're, they're hyping man up yeah. and it ain't even that good. Like, like. <laughs> so, what, what has been through your time, your kind of indicator that, yeah, okay, that set shell the place down? I think, obviously, like you said, the vibe of the crowd, that's the first thing you see. Other than it, that's the first thing you're going to get because it's the visual. No matter what you're playing, as long as you can see the crowd, dancing and singing you know i've done a good set yeah secondly when the promoter calls you to book you again okay. you know you've done a good set in this day and age it's still the same the vibe and the promoter booking you again but now this was in the in the as we call yardy scene but it's now crossed over to the scene i'm in you get money pull-ups right so in the yardy scene it's, it's crazy you know DJs will be playing, man of friend, £20, £10 notes on it. So as as long as, as well as, sorry, the DJs getting their money for their set, they might go, say they charge, I don't know, 150 they might go home with £400 yeah. because Ravens have thrown so much money on the decks. And in our scene, it's kind of like that now where sometimes, it's not that much, but sometimes I will throw a £20 down and say, no, you've got to play that again. So that's how you know, yeah, I'm doing a good set because the people are letting me know rather than my brethren saying, yeah, good set, man, because you think, oh, did you really mean that? Mm, mm. Yeah. Tell me tell me the flip side, though, of the crowd hype and the money pull-up. So, for example, what about when the crowd or an individual, because the few DJs that I know other than yourself, one, some have of, they've often said to me that the worst is when the crowd's trying to, or individuals, I should say, are trying to control your set for you, right? So uh, a girl, a guy, whoever approaches the decks, maybe they maybe they have thrown money, maybe they haven't thrown money, but what's your kind of rules on the influence of the crowd on your set? Do you get what I'm trying to say? So like, is your set your set, or are you flexible, or how much are you willing to listen to whether an individual or the vibe of the crowd to sway what your plan was? <laughs> Good question. Now, this is where my kind of, as a DJ and as a person, this is where my ignorant side comes out. Now, as a promoter, I promote as well as DJ. So when I do my events, in my mind, I've got a structure of how my event is going to be. Because yeah. it's my event. So I believe I'm putting an event for the people and this is how I want it to go and I believe that it's going to work. Otherwise, I wouldn't try to do it. Yeah. So I'm always going to say, I never tell DJ what songs to play, but I'll always say an error. So I might say, when you go on, I want you to play new hip-hop on R&B. Mm. Next DJ, when you go on, can you play Garage? Next DJ, when you go on, can you play 90s R&B? Because I want my event to flow a certain way. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, if that's how I want my event to flow, <laughs> I don't care what the crowd think. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because you're always going to get that member of the crowd who doesn't understand the ethics of an event and how it should work and how it should flow. They want to hear what they want to hear at that particular time. I've been at events where, you know, when I first started my career, 
I always played quite early in the night, which was fine with me because I remember being told, you're the best warm-up DJ I've ever heard. Now, people always say the warm-up set is the hardest set of the night because you're setting the tone. Mm. So the warm-up set's usually between 11 and 12. So if a night typically runs from 10 to 4, your early birds are coming in between 11 and 12.30, really. So when they're coming yeah. in, you're going to come in, cloakroom, bar, find a spot with your brethren, be that men or women, you're going to kind of chill for a bit. Yeah. So you want to come in and, and the DJ needs, needs to make you feel comfortable. Right. You want to come in and hear hype when you just come to a club. But you always get one or two a raver that say, oh, can you play? They'll ask for the biggest tune of the current time. <laughs> Firstly, there's no one here. So if I play it now, there might be 50 people in here. When a DJ comes on to play that kind of set, you lot have already heard that tune. Yeah. And it's not fair on everybody else. So I believe that <laughs> I always stick to my guns. There are some times where you think, nah, do you know what? This is not working. So I kind of stray a bit, but I'll always come back to where I should be. Because you, as a DJ, you can see if you're losing a crowd. You'll know. You must have known where I was going next. Yeah. Why? You, so you think, go on, go on. Sorry, go on. Finish yeah, that, so finish that point. Think, well, let me stray a little bit. And, and then I'll come back to where I should be. Because once I've got the crowd where I, where I want them, I can go to where I should be. Because be, they believe in me now. Yeah. Um, in terms of not sticking to script, if you like, this happens at private functions okay you know and this is you know we're going kind of left right backwards forwards no it's all good it's all good it's all good but i i dislike djing at private functions unless i know the people personally like they they know my style of djing and this is something that people need to factor in when you book a dj for a private function you need to know their style and what they play. Because mm. you go to private functions and you, you know, wedding, christening, birthday party, you've been prepped by the person organising their wedding, their birthday, their christening. <clears throat> you always get that one family member. Oh, can I hear? It's too early for that. I can't play that now. Or, you know, if it's if it's your function, I'll say, Master, I want to hear that. Yeah, but I do. But it's Masha's function. Mm. So if Masha's told me not to play it, why then should I play it? Because Masha's paying me. You're not paying me. Mm. And these are the problems you get at private functions. So that, that's why I dis- dislike them with a passion. When you, you mentioned losing a crowd, okay? And I'm not yeah. actually asking for you personally, although you may want to give a personal story or whatever. When DJs lose a crowd, though, what what are the factors that lead to losing a crowd? And I'm trying to think about my own personal experience of whether being in a rave or a club or whatever it might be, and thinking what was going through my mind when I when I was thinking, ah, this DJ's shit. But <laughs> but more often than not, if I'm thinking something like that, that's just because they're not playing the style of music I want to hear. So. Is does a DJ lose a crowd because of the DJ, or is it 
Like, is is the crowd such a variable factor that you can lose a crowd without even realizing that? Like, it may not even be you per se. Why you why you've lost the crowd? It may be the vibe. Um, that 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 the crowd is on, or maybe it's, I don't I don't know. Is where's where are the complexities in in losing um, in losing the crowd? I mean, a couple of the factors you said, especially in terms of if if the vibe is off anyway, no matter who the DJ is, he's going to struggle to 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 keep the crowd engaged. And, and you know, I've, I've, over the years, I've played at quite a few events where I've seen it for myself. I played a set and. It makes me feel like I've done a shit set mm. when I know I'm not a shit DJ. Yeah. DJ coming after me, same thing happens to them. So you, you kind of know now the crowd is just not feeling it today for whatever reason that may be. Um, but there's so many variables the age group of the crowd, the type of crowd that are there, they might just want to hear all new school music. And they could be a very mature crowd. But they just might be into nothing but new school music. Or it might be an old school crowd that want to hear old school, but a DJ play has been told to play. Right. Because it's kind of it's an all-rounder type of event. Um, so there's so many factors behind it, which is why I as I said, I promote, but my events are strictly old school because that's what I like. So if you mm. like strictly old school, you'll come to my event. If you don't, you won't turn up. And if you don't like Street the when you turn up, I can't help you because everyone knows it's going to be Street the Old School. So don't come asking for Vibes Cartel or Drake or it's not going to happen. You've come to the wrong party. And I think that's sometimes Ravens need to take responsibility for where they are, where they're going. Don't just go somewhere for the hype of an event. Go yeah. there because you actually want to be there. And you want to hear these DJs because you want to hear their music. Given the style of music that you DJ predominantly, I've written here, talk to me about how that specific scene has changed in your time. And I've written down age. Okay, now hear me out, hear me out. I'm not saying that when you started till now, the age therefore goes up and up. So that now when you're playing old school event, it's certain, it's basically what you're looking at in terms of the style of music, 35 plus in terms of that era, right? Um, anywhere between 35 to about 50, that it's that era, so to speak. Yeah. How do you, how, how does that genre stay relevant for the young bucks? coming up so i know you're saying okay you might promote an event and it's it's old school it's old school classics r&b hip-hop etc um and in some senses that music is timeless right but how do you because as our as our age group continues advancing in age how does the new school come up in in terms of how do you how do you make that genre relevant to the new school the or the the new do you get what i'm trying to say yeah 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 um, good question. So when I promote my event, I promote it predominantly as an over 28s event. So, mm. you know, if I think my brother is going to be 30 this year. So for me, if you're born 
anywhere between, I don't know. The cutoff point would have to be about 2003 because even though you were born in 2000s, your parents or your siblings or your family would have listened to 90s music. That's what they're going to play around you because that's still relevant to them. Yes. So you're going to know the tunes anyway. Um, and it's funny because sometimes I do parties and you'll always get, yeah, it's my 38th birthday. I see it's over 28, though, but my cousin wants to come. She's 21. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I just don't want a party full of 21-year-olds. Yeah. Because you're not going to understand the music, how it should be raved to, how it should be... You can't appreciate it yeah. as you should. It's very rare that people do. And like I said, it's going to be that 21-year-old cousin or daughter or my nephew or my son because they grew with the sound. Um, and I think the Young Bucks growing up now, they, old school music is not, for our generation of music is not for them. They they don't like it. They don't understand it. So <laughs> they've got their own music. And then what you find now is obviously you've got like the artists like Burner Boy remixing old school music and putting it into right. his sound. And people are like, yeah, that's a big tune. Yeah, but that's not his tune it's, it's not his sound. He's taken that beat from the 90s. But the up-and-coming ravers, if you like, don't understand that. So I think for them, it's just like, oh, it's open music. I don't want to go. So keeping the, the sound alive is quite difficult, if you like, because, like you said, our generation is getting older. Mm. Um, so I, I always try and target it to, you know, my age group of people always going to go out anyway if they want. But mm. I try and keep the sound relevant to that kind of 30 to mid-30 age range because they're yeah. going to still rave for another 10, maybe 15 years. So the sound can still continue that way. Do you try to select songs that fit the genre but are outside of the era? Now I can't I'm, I'm, I can't name an artist immediately off the top of my head who that might apply to, but would you do that? So would you be like, right, you know what this this modern band group guy, female artist, whoever it might be, is actually making the style of music that fits in with the sound of um, classic hip hop, old school hip hop, etc. Or would you stick to the artists from the time who are still making tunes like that? Yeah, no, I'll always incorporate it. And I think because of how I play, I love R&B anyway, be it old school, new school. You know, if, if you ask my my DJ colleagues about me, they'll say, yeah, he's an old school R&B specialist. Sorry, he's an R&B specialist anyway. Um, so someone like, you know, you've got new R&B artists now like Coco Jones, Ari Lennox. Those songs can work in an old school set or a, you know, LMA. So even though I love playing 90s R&B, I'll always play, you know, um, 2000 R&B, 2020 R&B. If it's good, I'll play it. And for me, if I like it, I'll play it. Not if the radio play it, not if everyone Mm. else is playing it. If I don't like a song, then I won't play it. And... Again, when I said it's, it's an ignorant part of me, 
that for me is not ignorant. I'm sitting on my stool. This is the DJ I am. So I'm not going to, I don't know, like new music now, I don't collect it. I don't want mm. it because I believe it goes back to staying in your lane. Somebody mm. else loves that style of music much more than I do. They appreciate it, so they're going to know how to play it better than I can. Mm. So why would I try to get all the new songs and I don't like them and play them? It doesn't make sense to me. But I think you're also taking the opportunity away from another DJ mm. who can do it and loves to do it. Let them do it. I've got my own style. If a promoter wants to book me, they will. For what I can do. It's a very good segue you've made there. Um, and as we kind of come as we come closer to the close of this episode and I know you lot who are listening to this are like nah 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 keep this one going because this is fascinating but but um, I don't know how much you can speak on it so obviously say what you can say within reason what about the like I could, I've I've written down the dog eat dog world of, of, of DJM right and I don't know actually to be fair I don't I've just assumed it is because you're everyone's scrambling for for spots and places and mm -hmm. maybe people are trying to hold on to their spot they don't want to bring man in they don't want to um even if it's the right thing to do they don't want to bring man in and and so on and so forth and I'm it must there, there must like in a lot of professions be a friendship thing and it's who you know not whether you're good um and all the, and, and all of those kind of things so how again like yeah say what you can say how does I guess the politics of it all of it all work? Is it about establishing once you've established your kind of relationships with promoters and venues and so on and so forth, you're good? Or is there or is there a lot more politics to it all? All what you said are the politics you face. Um and the way I look at it is this there was a time where Throughout my career, I was probably one of the most booked DJs in what was deemed as the city scene at the time. Mm. So at the time, there was a company called Novice Leisure who um, had loads of venues in the city. Apps, um, Agenda, um, there was loads of them, loads of venues. So the promoter that booked me quite a lot would ring me and say, oh, like, I'm thinking of booking this man or that man. What do you reckon? And I'd always say to them, that's not someone I would book for my personal event, but I think they'll work for yours. Yeah. So knowing that a promoter's had that conversation with me, I'm going to take it that promoters have that conversation with other DJs. Mm. Now, there's certain events where as a DJ, you think, I should be booked for that. How come I'm not booked for that? And, you know, through common sense or through speaking to promoters or other DJs, you kind of come to know, yeah, you're a blacklisted on that event or that DJ didn't want you on that event or that DJ plays similar to you, so he's not going to want you on there, so he's not going to put your name forward. Right. So it's a bit of a gift and a curse because you can be very good, but if you're a threat another DJ is not going to want you on the same lineup as them, especially if they're good friends with the promoter or they're, they're 
words are influential to the promoter, you mm. won't get brought to that event. And that's just how it is. Um, you know, as a DJ, you just come to terms with it. And I think it's one of the reasons why I started my own event as well. Um, yeah, I was about to say, is that why you've gone into kind of... Kind yeah, of well, you know, I, I like old school anyway. And all the old school events I went to, I just thought, you know, it's good. You, you've pushed the sound, but your DJs play the same old school songs. So when I take my event, for instance, um, remember the time, which has been going since 2009, I'll always say to my DJs, like I said, do a night is R&B set. New Jack Swing set, reggae set, ragga set. However, you're not allowed to play certain songs. Okay. So, <laughs> for instance, Candy, band at my event. Don't want to hear it. <laughs> Don't want to hear it. Um, Return of the Mac, Mark Morrison, band at my event. Yeah, I, I understand that still. <laughs> you know, Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. Band at my event. Well, with the Vogue Poison, banned at my event. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, there's going to be songs that weren't popular, like those songs I've just mentioned, that are going to be played. But personally, I don't like those songs, so I don't want to hear them at my event. And the way I see it is this. The 90s was a decade. Mm. So you're telling me you can't find other songs than those that were good, to yeah. play some of those songs. And, and it goes back to me saying, when you used to buy CDs or vinyl, whatever, tape player, tape cassettes, I mean, um, albums, you would always like track 10 or track 3. That was never released, but was a big tune. DJs, play that one instead. And look at the reaction you get from the crowd rather than playing the standard, you know, Beaky One More Chance and... Stuff like so, you know, that that's how I think I've kind of I managed to maintain myself in the scene because I, promoters know I'm always going to play a little bit different to everybody else. You're listening to DJ Godfather. Before I come to the the final question or final few questions, you you just answering that question made me think of something, and I want to I want to make sure I, I I we address this before we wrap up, um, because you you kind of talked about it, but we never actually kind of dived deep into it. When you're playing a set, mm-hmm. at what point in the set do you play your biggest tunes? Like what is what is the DJ? I mean, you're gonna have your own style, but I'm so I'm asking you. But what is the general DJ code you would say on when you bring in the big, big tunes? Like, is it every three songs? Is it at a specific point in the middle of your set? Is it big tune, then four, then four slow jams, then big tune, then like what where how do you position your big the the ones you know that are gonna get the wheel up? Where do they come in your set? Um, for me, it depends on what time I'm playing in the dance. Mm. So, if I'm playing at the end, and promoters usually book me to do the warm up set or the last set because I, I play those kind of sing along tunes 
Yeah. The feel good song. So if you're playing the last set, it's kind of got to be banger after banger because right, okay. it's the last set. So you're looking at the time thinking people are going to start leaving soon. You can't leave yet. So I have to make them stay. Yeah. Um, if you play in the middle of the, the, the dance, I always like to play like a big song that's got an intro. So yeah. the crowd know what song's coming. So in anticipation, when it drops, they get hyped. Yeah. So you kind of maintain a level. You play kind of mid big songs and then you drop another one. So like you said, you might play one, then three, four songs go by, then you drop another. Mm. Because, you know, advice I'd give to, to new DJs, don't rinse all the big tunes first. Because mm. I've seen it where they'll play like, you know, set might be 45 minutes. And in most genres, especially nowadays, there's 10 big tunes. Mm. Once you play those 10 big tunes, you're going to play it for two minutes, I suppose. That's 20 minutes of the set gone. What are you doing after that? Mm. And you can see DJs panic like, oh, shit, I played that tune already. What do I do now? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yeah, so just take your time with it. There's no rush, essentially. You know, I know a lot of DJs, they, they plan their set before they come out. So they've already got a track listed and whatever. I've never done that. I believe that I'll just go there play my first song and let my mind take me where it needs to take me based mm. on what I can see from the crowd. But mm. I think if you plan your set, you don't have a plan B. Right. Because you just, right, this is what I want to play. So if that doesn't work, what do you do? Because you've already got into your mind that as a DJ, you have to plan your set. But you've just planned for this. What's the contingency if that doesn't work? And if your contingency doesn't work, what do you do then? That's why I don't plan. I don't plan my sets. Yeah, but to to not plan means you have to be a proper music head, right? And yeah. you have to ha you have to have an encyclopedia of tunes in your head, right? So yeah. then that this almost links to what my big question was at the uh, bringing this to a close, right? How has the game changed? How has the game changed? So we 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 started off. Because believe it, like we've we gone fifty minutes. Believe it or not, <laughs> I should have warned you. These things are just conversations. We ain't even real. <laughs> we're just vibes in. But we started off talking about how you got into the game. Okay, cool. So we're now in twenty twenty three, coming into twenty twenty four. What's been the biggest things that have changed about the game? And is it is it is it that people are more rigid? Is it that it's too? Um, too many people are doing the same thing or do you see is the game getting more innovative or i don't know i, I know nothing so i'm asking you how how has the game changed or has the game even changed it's changed in a sense of technology for a start um so now we spoke about vinyl to cd mm. so now it's laptops so you know the, the dj program that everyone uses is called serato so all your music now goes on your serato which when you as the DJ, when you transferred from CD to laptop, it took me about a month to put all my music onto my laptop. Mm. And even then, there's songs that probably should be on there that are not. Um, but digressing slightly, as a DJ, the songs on my laptop are songs I think I will play. Now, there's a lot on there, obviously, but there's some songs I think I'm never, ever, ever going to play it. 
so it's not going on there. Hence, return of the Mac Mar Morrison. <clears throat> it's not on my laptop. I won't play it. Even if I played in a commercial to a commercial crowd, I still wouldn't play it. Mm. Um, so yeah, because because it's easy now to download music and get it for free. As DJs, we're kind of seen as mini superstars, if you like. So young men coming up in the game, and even women now, want to be DJs. So mm. you can buy your a second-hand MacBook, Serato, download, download your music onto it. It's there. Now, mm. on the Serato, there's a button called Sync. So what the Sync button does, <laughs> once you press the Sync button, it matches the beats of the two tunes already. I knew it. I knew it. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what I thought you were going to say, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as a DJ now, you don't have to learn the art of mixing because the beats are matched for you already. But, but, but then, hold on. Let me, said, let me just interject one sec. Well, if it's doing that for you, what's the skill set now then? If that's, that goes back to my question to you about selector or DJ. Because then isn't it about the tunes you're selecting? Is it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, because new hip-hop and R&B is, I, I call it easy to play because there's not many songs that you can play out. So once you've got the top 20 R&B hip-hop tunes or Bashman or Afrobeats tunes, any DJ can do that set. Mm. So selecting it isn't a problem. The problem is now, yes, the beats match, but the skill is in the timing. Okay of playing, bringing a song in at the right bar. All of that stuff is, is, is lost now on this new generation. Um, mm. So the game has definitely changed there. You know, new DJs play the songs faster than they should be played. It's, it's weird going out and hearing, you think, why does that song sound like Chipmunks? But they like to hear the music fast. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, they, they don't charge as much as they should do. So it's about undercutting everybody else. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just the, the the ease now that you can become a DJ. Because remember, when I started, you have to buy music. Yes, if exactly. You go to one record shop and that song ain't there. You got to go to another shop. They might say, "Oh, we sold out. We're not getting it until next week, Thursday." But you might have a set tomorrow. You want to play that song? You go to the club. Another DJ played you. Think, Damn, that DJ played the song for me. <laughs> there was all of that then, but now, yeah. There's none of that now. Um, it's so easy to get music. Listen, listen. I can still remember my my uncle was a was was a, a sound man, and he used to take me in his younger days down to um, Peckham High Street to the record shop, like green sleeves and all them things, to buy the record, the little the little vinyl records with the yeah. with the rhythms on it, and we'd yeah. be. <laughs> These times I didn't, I didn't care, you know, but he just dragging me along to see him carefully select which songs off the rhythm that he wants to go yeah, 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 play, yeah. To play in the things. I can still remember all of those days, you know. But um, the the just just jumping off that point you made about um when to time it and stuff, because actually I didn't ask you, I didn't ask you this question. When would you say? And maybe this is advice to DJs coming up. Maybe this is just letting people know. I'm sometimes, and and again, bear in mind that you've got to hear this from somebody who's just an ordinary person going into a, a club or a bar or whatever. When a DJ ends a song early to bring it, and when I say early, okay, sorry, let me give an example. So I'm hyped now. Um, 
let's let's say it's dance hall. So somebody plays Infiltrate by Sean Paul or whatever, right? Yeah. And um, they play that song, and I'm hype. Gum fingers, everything. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the song's just mixed out within about, I don't know, 45 seconds to a minute into the next tune. When would, what's, what, where, where do you stand on all that? When is the time to mix, fade in and fade out, sink in, sink out, whatever, for the next tune? Is it, is, is it just purely crowd or is it, or is, would you say there's a certain type of way, a, a certain kind of ruling around when you should be trying to do it? I think crowd does come into it because it depends what crowd you're playing to. But me personally, I like to play first verse, chorus. When it's R&B and hip-hop anyway, first verse, chorus, second verse. Then when it gets into the chorus, that's when I'll start mixing in the next song. Right. Because you've got your bars, so you know, right, the chorus is going to be 16 bars. The intro to the next song is going to be 16 bars. So you mix the intro into the chorus. Once the chorus is finished, the next song starts. So right. as a raver, you sung, sung out yeah. the verse of the chorus and the next song comes in. With dancehall, it's a bit different because certain dancehall songs are not impactful after the first chorus. Yes, yeah. You know, because sometimes you go out and you think, I've never heard this bit of the tune before. Why is the DJ playing this bit of the song? Because you've always known to hear, boom, verse, chorus, bam, next song. Um, mm. So I think it's, it's preference... It's where you are. Because um, if you're playing like in a wine bar or a lounge setting, you can make the song play for it a little longer because it's not a party vibe. But if you're in a club, you have to give the people the bit of the song that they like. And most mm. people, like I said, you're going to like at least the first two verses and then the second chorus. Well, with dance all again, like I just said, it's going to be the first verse and the chorus then. It's time to move on. Listen, DJ Godfather, man, you've been an absolute. This is why when I reached out to you, I, I was like, nah, man, I need a guest who who I can just vibe with, just just <laughs> pure conversation and vibe, not even needing to plan, plan, just conversation. Listen, I'm, as I bring, I literally am bringing this one to a close now, but before I ask you the big question about gems you want to kind of leave with people, here's something. So where... where <laughs> Where's the DJ crowd standing on R. Kelly now? What what, what, what we say though? What we say about R. Kelly tunes? They're 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 a big they're a big part of the old school R and B set, you know. Even some of the hip hop tunes have R. Kelly, and so where 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 are we standing now on on R. Kelly in in in, in twenty twenty three? I haven't played an R. Kelly tune for years. Mm. Now, you know, it's it's unfortunate or fortunate for him that he got caught. There might be other artists in the same boat that DJs are still playing now, but we don't know. But we mm. know what R. Kelly's done. So I don't believe we should be supporting him by playing his music. Mm. Uh, it's a weird one because you'll get DJs say, yeah, but he produced this tune, he produced that tune. It sounds weird, but production is a little bit different. Because he just gave the ice the beat. He mm. didn't sing it. So, and the thing is, when you hear R. Kelly's song, you think, what's you talking about a young girl? Right, exactly. Who sung this. 
Yeah. So that's why I refuse. And the, the horrible thing is, the tune that he done with Biggie is one of the biggest tunes on Biggie's album. Mm. But you can't play it because R. Kelly sings in it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, don't, I, I went out a couple months ago and who are my, my friends in the DJ scene and outside the scene? And he played an R. Kelly song. I walked out of the club and I waited for him to finish playing it. Then I came back in. So people are so people are still doing their thing with it. Yeah, yeah, the old will still play R. Kelly. They will. Well, they will. Boy, so <laughs> that's an interesting one. I'm sure people have some uh, comments on that. So, uh, DJ Godfather, last thing, like I said, and when we spoke before I pressed record, I said, this is how I wanted to end it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 years in the game, um, still going strong, still still, still uh, featured prominently um, within the scene. What would you say are the key takeaways you've learned from your journey and almost, I guess, advice for those who may be just at the beginning of their particular journey or DJ journey, et cetera, and some kind of things that you've had to learn the hard way and now understand with the years of experience um, looking back? I think um, <laughs> the first one is stay in your lane. Whatever you're comfortable playing, whatever genre it is, just focus on that. Don't get me wrong. I Because of, the scene I'm in, I'm going to be labelled as a multi-genre DJ. Or they call us open format. I prefer multi-genre. Mm. So, as like I said, I play classic R&B and dancehall, but I can also play new dancehall. I can play house. I can play Garrett. I can play all of that. Um, but I'm comfortable staying in my lane to play what I need to play. So I'll say to DJs, do that. Try not to be manipulated by promoters. If you have a price, stick with your price. Don't let a promoter say, yeah, but can you do it for this price instead? Or that's a bit much. You have to believe in yourself. Mm. Um, and I would also say, in terms of promoting yourself and where you're playing, treat every booking like it's your first. Mm. Because, and this is stuff I've told quite a few DJs, promoters watch I'm a promoter myself, so I observe. So if I book a DJ, and there's this argument where promoters promote DJ, DJ, I'm like, that's nonsense. As a DJ, I want people following me to know where I'm going to be. So of yeah. course I want to post it up. Some DJs believe they shouldn't post up anything. Yeah, but why? Because the promoters book them to play, so it's the promoter's job to promote. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm. So I say... Treat every booking like it's your first. Be as excited to play. Be as excited to promote it. You haven't got to over-promote, but I always say this. If Sky, Coca-Cola, Virgin, JD promote, why wouldn't you promote yourself? Yeah. Know your worth. You've got to know your yeah. worth at the end of the day. You are... You. I often say this to people who's in anything creative. You are a brand. <laughs> and some some people aren't comfortable with understanding that you are a brand and just like if as it's a good that you gave those examples of sky just in the same way how a clothing 
brand sell their brand to you and you pay the money, well, you must sell yourself, yes? Yeah, Are you not yeah. a brand as well? You have to. Because <laughs> all that happens is the promoter will book another DJ. Yeah. And then you, you'll be upset. But what have you done to keep yourself in the limelight, be relevant? You know, I'd also say as well, when you're DJing, try and record your live set. Okay. And put it on your social media platforms. I think that's important. Let me just throw one last one in there then around those gems that you've dropped. And thank you so much. Where or we just said know your worth and we both agreed know your worth. When and where is the right time for anybody who's DJing to give away anything free? So and the only reason I ask you that is because you just said record your live set, but your live set. I assume goes on your social media handles for people to listen to. So where do you where do you draw the line on freeness or favors or whatever it might be? Or do you or would you say kind of hard line? No, if you don't know your worth, people take advantage. Um, I will only do freeness or favors for my good friends in the business, mm. um, and I can count them on one hand. So there's there's DJs around me that have become friends. That if they say to me, God, I need a favor, man. Like, can you play at this? But I can't pay you. Done. They don't have to, it's done. They might say, I want to pay you, but I can only pay you half. It's done. Because okay. that's the relationship you have with that that person. You I think I don't know if it's 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 comes with experience or it's it's a a, a trait you pick up from when you're growing up. But I think you'd always be able to detect when I can't trust that person who's asking me for a favour. Mm. Something just will just feel off. To me, it does anyway. There's something with the energy that's off. So I'll say, I can't ever do that, you know? No, I can't. I can't pay for that. <laughs> Sorry. But as I said, I, I can count on one hand the amount of people that will say, you don't even have to ask. I'll do it. No problem. Because, mm. you know, I believe that you... you have to live good with people. And that's what I'll always say as well. Live, uh, you know, in, in our professional capacity, I'll tell the, the students the same thing. Live good with one another because mm. you never know when. You never know. You're going to need that person to do anything or help with whatever. Mm. 100%. In many ways, you could even say this podcast is this. You and I no longer work together, but... We still we're still cool to to vibe yeah, exactly. and record this and so on exactly. and so forth and uh, I I live bad with you you might all say I ain't even talking to that brother about that <laughs> <laughs> never that yeah. never that never but, that listen um, for those listening I'm sure everyone's gonna be those who are listening saying so how do I find out X Y Z so in the descriptor below people for the podcast episode you'll see all the links of where you can find DJ Godfather. Um, I'm going to say that the number one place is Instagram, but I'm just going to let you um, just tell the people where where to find you, what type of events, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, Instagram is definitely the, um, the number one place. So the handle is at DJ Godfather UK. Um, pretty much the same for my SoundCloud as well. DJ Godfather UK. Um, I, Instagram I use all the time anyway so you know all my bookings are up there and everything all my mixes are on SoundCloud so yeah just type in DJ Godfather UK and you'll find me 
Love that. So people, anyone who listened to this, who obviously if you're coming up in the in the DJ game, get in touch. Get in touch with DJ Godfather. Go send him a DM or whatever through through Insta. Um, if you're somebody who's like, I've been looking for a good DJ who can play the style of music that we've been talking about, go go, go follow DJ Godfather's handles. Um, go to the event, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You may have just found the 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 the, the, the DJ you are looking for in terms of actually enjoying a night out. DJ Godfather, on my behalf, I just want to say thank you so much um for coming on absolutely fantastic discussion conversation i didn't expect anything less but absolutely fantastic conversation discussion about about the dj about the dj world and i just want to thank you for giving up your time um (laughs) i know both of us on holiday as we recorded (laughs) but still you gave up your time on that that holiday period that's right i rushed to the gym this morning i said oh my god i can't yeah let me get back quick so i can (laughs) <laughs> it's all good. But, all good. but like I say, thank you so much. And for everyone who 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 listened to this episode, all of the handles of where to find the game is the game. Again, in the description below, at the end of this um episode, you'll hear me come back in to let you know where you can find everything that you need to find. Thank you as ever for supporting the game is the game. Thank you to DJ Godfather for jumping on. That was the one with the DJ, Ivy Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt. Thank you and good night. Thank you for listening to The Game is the Game with Michelle St. Patrick Hewitt. If you enjoyed that episode and you'd like to find out more about the work I do, you can head to linktr.ee forward slash mashstpaddy. If you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can find me at mashstpaddy. And if you'd just like to email me about anything you're interested in or that episode made you think about or anything in particular, You can email me at mstpatrick at gmail.com.